Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 476 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show today, we'll be hearing from the Vice President of Facebook in Europe about some brilliant new features in Instagram and Facebook. Ways to make sure that you don't go over the top with your social media usage. We will be going over the top, finding out more on the world of social media about the Jade Assembly. Andy Watson, the drummer of the band, joining us for a bit of a chat, and we'll be playing some of their music throughout the show. Also, we'll be catching up with one of the stars of Versailles. Season 3 has just finished on BBC2. It's out on DVD very, very soon, so we're having a chat with Catherine Walker all about her role in the show. That's on the way, but first of all... When Jersey Boys is at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre from Tuesday the 28th of August through to Saturday the 8th of September, they've got a fantastic cast. Some of the cast have appeared in the West End, others have visited the stage of the Grand before. To find out more, I'm now joined by their Tommy and Bob, Simon Bailey and Declan Egan. Hello both. Hello. We trust you're enjoying yourselves on tour, singing some brilliant music. Yeah, we're lucky. I mean, this show is um, this show is obviously built on, on the amazing music of Frankie Bowen in the Four Seasons. You know, everyone is uh, everyone's a showstopper. It's a foot tapper. Um, so we're the lucky ones who get to sing them for the rapturous crowds. <laughs> yeah, well, they certainly are rapturous, and uh, they're probably tempted to join in because everybody knows all of the words to these tunes, and the way in which they're using the show to tell the story just makes them come to life even more. But does this mean uh, each of you have a favourite number that you sing in the show? Oh yeah, there are so like there are so many songs in the show that I just adore, and I swear my favourite song changes every week. I would probably say that I, I adore at the moment. I uh, can't take my eyes off you, uh, just because it's it's just such a classic song, and the horn section is just um, iconic. You know, you really can't escape that. Once you hear that, you just got to get up and dance. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, and I'm the same, really. I mean, uh, like like you say, I mean, everyone knows the words to songs. They're all they're, there's no filler songs. You know, every single one is a hit in its own right. So. Um, my my favorite song changes every day as well. I think to be honest, at the minute my favorite song is "Cry for Me." It's the first time when the four seasons get together and sing that uh, those, those iconic harmonies, really. So um, that's what I'm that's what I'm loving at the minute. And, and Tommy gets to be the bad boy of the piece, but uh, still with his heart in the right place. I think. A hundred percent. I mean, that's the thing about Tommy. I mean, I mean, his his aim is is just to to better himself and better others. You know, I mean. He, his methods are questionable, and I mean, I suppose as an actor, you have to try and um, you have to try and identify with the character you're playing in. And I suppose that you know it's difficult to identify with someone who's been in prison because I haven't yet. But also, you know, but you know, I'm a very ambitious person, uh, as is he, and his heart is definitely in the right place. He just goes about it in a very in in, in a very questionable manner. Uh, and Bob Gordio's role in the whole uh, the story. I mean, it is just a tale of, of, of rags to riches for for these guys and back again. Absolutely, yeah. Bob Gordio is an exceptional man. You know, he still has all of the rights to these songs and still has such an involvement in this show. You know, the productions throughout the world, I'm sure Frankie Valli and Bob Gordio are taking a massive cut from this show. And that is actually, the, the money that they're making from this show is actually more successful, I've heard, than what they did in their own career. Like, you know, as the four seasons, they're making more, more profit from Jersey Boys because 
you know, I think that they're just very, very wise businessmen, especially Bob Gordio. It's one hell of a retirement party, isn't it, to be fair, to have these songs out on the road doing this, but being playing to packed houses, whether it be uh, from the West End shows or the likes of this tour, just bringing these songs to, to people and people who are on their feet for, for, for as much of the time as they can get away with. Absolutely. I mean, we do find that it's, um, you know, this... This is a very unique show because it does it combines music that you already know with a story that you don't. Um, and actually, it, with it being a true with it being a true story, um, what you find is that not only are you waiting for, for wonderful songs to to take place and sing along to, but you're also learning a lot about a very very interesting group of people who um, you know, as you will find when when um, the lovely people of Wolverhampton come to watch the show. You'll find that you learn a lot about these people, and a lot of it's dark, a lot of it's funny, a lot of it's sexy, a lot of it's you know, it, there's a, there's everything in there. You know, there's always something that piques your interest, and and I think that's quite a rare thing, I suppose. Being entertained for two and a half hours is is wonderful. And I love the fact that we have a warning which says authentic New Jersey language. Uh, it, it it is a bit sweary in places, but this is the way it was, and this is the way it would be. Yeah, it's definitely it's a part of their culture. You know, I'm Australian, and I always get caught up over here with them. Um, with a few of the swear words that I might say in public, <laughs> but um, I, I can relate to that. That it's just it's just something that they that they use. You know, they use that language, and I think that it's a it's an extra form of expression. Yeah, it's part of their DNA, I suppose, isn't it? And you yeah. get to vent on stage, which is always good. Oh yeah, I this show it. is like <laughs> genuinely this show. We've said this before, me and Dex. Is you know, if if somebody's having a bad day, which people always do, you know, this show is such amazing therapy because there is one point for everybody where somebody blows up at some point. Mm -hmm. All that, you know, you can bring all that stuff onto stage and then by the time you're done with it, it's finished. And, Great. you know, by the end of um, With Who Loves You and All What A Night, you come out like beaming. I come out, you know, very hard to um, unwind after this show because of the adrenaline rush that you get. Yeah. Jersey Boys is on stage at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre from the 28th of August through to the 8th of September. GrandTheatre.co.uk to get your tickets or 01902 the box office number. But for now, Simon Bailey and Declan Egan, thank you for joining us. Thank you thank so you. much. Assembly are a Manchester-based band. They've got a brilliant new set of music out there. To tell us more, I'm joined now by their drummer, Andy. Hello, sir. How are you doing? You okay? I'm good. So, what's going on at the moment, then? Because you guys have been busy, haven't you? Yeah, we've been super busy. Yeah, we're, uh, we've done a lot of touring uh, this year, done a lot of touring, a lot of recording. Uh, we've currently got a single that's uh, ready to get released, uh, Nothing Changes. Uh, it's going to be released on the 17th of August. We've had a busy year. Currently, I'm just having a bit of a break from all the madness, but in a couple of weeks, it's uh, it's going to take off again. So, what uh, has been happening then to to get you to this point? Because you've been working with uh, a number of different people to bring this music to life. We are done. Yeah, we've uh, we've done uh, some recording with Gavin Monaghan in your town, Wolverhampton. He's a talented guy. He's uh, he's got the best out of us. Uh, we've done a tour. Uh, we've been in Manchester, Newcastle. 
been down to London a couple of times as well. It's been a good time. But I mean, the last few singles, I mean, One Last Time and Got My Star, they've been massively well received and done brilliant things across the UK. Yeah, they've done well. Yeah, they've done well. Um, the, the singles you mentioned, they've, they've done well for us from that. We ended up playing this year, but uh, tram lines, uh, Isle of Wight. I think that's been the highlight of the year so far. When you're preparing for the the next stage, I mean, when can we expect to see a full album? We're looking to release a full album in probably about six to twelve months' time. Not far off getting it completely finished at the minute. Like I said, singles coming out 17th of August. Give us a six to twelve months' time to get the full album coming out. Uh, we're actually doing something as well. Uh, we've got a gig at. Uh, the Macron Stadium in Bolton um, doing uh, a gig which is all the money is going to help the rough sleeping it's going to a charity called The Big Change mm-hmm. uh, it's funded by uh, Andy Burnham uh, the Mayor of Greater Manchester so we're really excited we're looking forward to that With the progression of the music I mean influences how would you class those is there anything out there that really stands out for you I, I know you're a big fan uh, of the, uh, the 60s so uh, is that what inspires your drumming? Personally, I'm, uh, I'm a bit more of the old school uh, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin. Uh, but, uh, you know, as a band, we've got quite a, a wide variety of influences. Uh, Fuzz, the uh, lead singer, uh, the songwriter, his main influences. You know, for being a kid, there's been like uh, Liam Gallagher, Oasis mainly. Uh, then we have, you know, different uh, influences from like Black Rebel, Motorcycle Club, Kings mm-hmm. of Leon. So it's a pretty wide variety, but I think it, it, it comes together and it, it produces the sound that, 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 that you hear. Mm-hmm. And we've already talked about the fact you've been working with Gavin Monaghan down at Magic Garden here in Wolverhampton. And obviously yeah. that that makes a, a difference to the way the sound comes out as well. Who are you working with on the production side and the recording? And do you, do you think there's a flavour of some of Gavin's work in there too to, to help bring the, the final sound together? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we work with a lot of producers, a lot of good people as well. And um, when, you find the, when you find the right guy, you know, it, it kind of gets, you know, what you want from your music. I mean, we've we worked with a lot of people. It's great at what they do, and, and the song sounds great. But then when you get with that person who... who who kind of gets where you want to go with your music? You know, it, it just shows in the in the finished product. Well, we're looking forward to uh, great things from you in uh, the coming months. The album is going to be amazing, I'm sure. Once you get to that point, what's all the social media stuff to uh, find out more about the band? Everything really at the Jade Assembly for uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. We have actually got a new project I'd like to bring up. We we are looking at doing uh, a single. Uh, we're going to try and tackle. Uh, uh, a Christmas song, you know, not 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 very popular songs today, but we've got a lot of celebrities involved. Can't say who involved at the minute, but we are looking at the moment that we're hopefully going to tackle Christmas number one. Oh, good luck with that one. We'd like to have a bit of yeah, uh, indie at the top of the charts on Christmas Day. Yeah, it's, it's a cover. We're covering a song. Again, I can't say anything, but but when when it does get to where we want it to be. I promise we'll come back on and we'll have another chat after that. Be good to talk to you in the room to Christmas. The jadeassembly.co.uk is the website. We'll take a listen now to the forthcoming single, Nothing Changes. But for now, Andy Watson, drummer for the Jade Assembly, thank you for joining us. Nice one. Thanks for having us. Nothing's going to change my mind. I'll believe in when the song goes up. It's not what you
That's the Jade Assembly with nothing changes. Keep an eye out for them. They're going to do massive things. And I'm really looking forward to Christmas now. It's going to be quite a treat, I think. But there we are. With seasons one through three of Versailles arriving as a box set from Acorn Media International on the 13th of August and Series 3 available on its own, the whole set will soon be available to you. To tell us more about this trip through the life of Louis XIV, I'm joined now by his latest mistress, Catherine Walker. Hello. Hello, how are you? Nice Uh, to talk to you. Good to talk to you. So tell us a bit about your character, because it's not you who's flirting with the king, is it? Uh, No, so I play um, Madame de Maintenon, um, who is formerly known as Scarron. And um, yeah, she comes to the court. You'll have seen her uh, come to the court in season two, pretty much as the nanny. Mm-hmm. Um, and and goes on to become the, the one of the most powerful women in Europe. Um, and there's a, actually a great quote I found about her, which said, you know, at one point she held the whole of Europe in her hands. So we really don't see this this woman coming. But she, she was not of nobility, but she ends up um, married to the king, becoming the hidden queen and his right hand woman, and um, responsible for um, a lot of of his decision making. Yeah, because this is the magic of Versailles, because it's taken the whole story, bits of which people will know, uh, and filled it out into a a full drama, bringing the the lives of these people to life. And it must be great being part of something like that. Is Is it a story that you knew before you started work on this? No, I didn't. I mean, obviously, we touched on Irish. We touched a little bit. Everybody is aware of the Sun King to some degree. You know, you touch that in your history lessons in school, but nothing, you know, not in in, in any way, in any in depth way. And um, yes, when when I when I received the part, I I, I had no idea. Um, um, of, I mean, obviously, I knew that there was there was a long life to her, mm-hmm. and um, that she went on to become the hidden queen. But it wasn't until I got to Paris two years ago and began working on season two that I had any idea just how extraordinary this woman was, and also just what she meant to the French. I had no idea, no. you know. And she's she's in a very important um, character to the French, and um, so there was a great responsibility with that. Um, and also just you couldn't imagine this story, you know, you couldn't, re- you know, if, if, if you saw it in fiction, you wouldn't believe it. You know, the fact that this woman comes is not a nobility. Pretty much she was pretty much born in a prison. Mm. Um, her father was a criminal and, and she goes on to, to become um, the most powerful um, woman in France. And, and that is extraordinary and that was due to her great intelligence and her you know I think she was incredibly opportunistic she used every opportunity that came her way in life and she was a survivor you know and um, and even though she goes on to do they, they you know that they are responsible she's very, for some quite dark places they yeah. go to together um, due to you know her very staunch religious beliefs so you know they inflict a lot upon the Protestants um, and she's very zealot like and has a very staunch belief and an absolute belief in the divine right of kings and that Louis is next to God so that means, you know, when you have that on your side, you you, you can do anything, really. And but but Louis needs very... her, though, doesn't he? Because uh, the, the point at which he's at, is obviously, uh, the, the end of the affair of the poisons, the war against Holland has been won, but that just brings new challenges to him. It does. It does. You know, and he, and, and I think he does, you know, it's a, it's a very... Um, 
It's a very difficult and lonely place to be in where he is. And I think, you know, where we go to in season three, though, is, you know, taking ambition and power to another level. And I think, you know, it's quite hard for us to imagine that belief of being next in line to God, you know. And he even they even take on the church together. So mm. it's, it's, um, it's quite an ex- extraordinary journey, but he does. I mean, I think partly what makes him brilliant is the fact that he was open to, you know, these extraordinary women who he met in his life. I mean, he, you know, he brings Manthanon into the council, into the war room, um, places that women never were. But he knew that she was a brilliant mind. He knew that he was stronger with her. Um, and, and I think that knowledge makes him very brilliant in himself, you know. Um, so he does need her. He, he absolutely needs her. And when you're filming on a series like this, is it as sumptuous as it appears on screen? It is, actually. <laughs> it really is. Um, you know, I mean, we're firstly, we're very lucky to, you know, we got to film on location in Versailles and in, in other various places um, around Paris and on the outskirts of Paris. Um, so, you know, you really don't get more sumptuous than Versailles <laughs> anywhere. You really don't get anywhere more amazing than standing in the Galerie de Glace. You know, that's mm-hmm. just amazing. And, and yes, you know, costume-wise, um, hair, makeup-wise, all of that is incredible. The detail of those costumes, there was a workroom, you know, where everything is made. I mean, we were watching, actually, just just last night, I was watching, I hadn't seen it before, but I was watching Jackie, the Natalie Portman movie, and um, Madeleine Fontaine, who was our costume designer on Versailles, um, who was Oscar-nominated for Jackie, you know, created our costumes, and you know, so you're, you're, you know, she's a legend, you know, so the, the, the attention to detail was unbelievable, you know, uh, I don't imagine that I'll ever get to work on anything again quite like it, you know, mm-hmm. so you were working with brilliant craftspeople, you were working in extraordinary, um, in extraordinary locations, so all of that does, you know, as an actor, as a gift, it does the work for you, do you know what I mean? <laughs> when, you're, when you're standing in these amazing places, in these incredible costumes, and, you know, somebody has spent, you know, two hours doing your hair and makeup, you, you, you just need to be, really. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, you, you believe you're that person, so the, uh, the audience can certainly make that leap too. Yeah, I mean, so it is, it is that sumptuous, everything you see is real, you know. Well, with the the three seasons now in the can and this release coming up on the 13th of August, for the true fans of the show, they're going to love this. There'll be people going out to this for the first time, though, and buying the box set one to three and sitting down and enjoying the whole thing in one run. And it, you know, it, it, it is that story. It is living those lives. And although we may not know exactly what they've said, I mean, this, this drama is true to the history, isn't it? It is. It absolutely is, you know. And um, as I said, you you couldn't make a lot of it up, you know. It is it is very very extraordinary. These these are they're an extraordinary rich group of characters as well. And again, all mostly. I mean, there is some fictional characters in there, but 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 mostly actual characters, you know. So that that that's amazing. And you know, I think for anybody watching the the, the box set, I know for me particularly, you know, um, you know, I very much kind of catered the my performance with that in mind you know so I, I i very much you know came was it was important to me when i entered as Manthanon that we don't really see her coming you know so so the audience can go on the journey that she went on which is qu- quite unbelievable 
to go from effectively looking after the children to being the queen, you know. So um, very much so. I think a lot of people will get a lot of pleasure watching it in in the way that we like to watch things now with, you know, binge watching or whatever, you know what I mean? When you can get to watch from season to season very close together, you know. So I think there'll be a lot of pleasure for the audience in that. Oh, absolutely. With uh, 600 minutes of viewing on two discs for season three alone and a full 1,800 minutes on six discs if you're buying one through three, the box set. Uh, they're priced at 24.99 for season three or 39.99 for the complete series from all the usual outlets. But it is an absolute joy to behold. I know so many of my family and friends who are loving every moment of this series. It has to end, unfortunately. Season three is the final one, but who knows what could come next uh, in uh, this this kind of dynasty of series as they are produced. Catherine Walker, aka Mantelon, uh, the new mistress in season three of the side. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's take some more music now from the Jade Assembly. This is one of their earlier singles, One Last Time. Sat around my table late at night Everyone talking lines Talking free No one could remember half the things we said But I know they're true And you know that I'm true Everyone counts to ten We'll start over again We'll lose it all tonight
Another track on the way from the Jade Assembly a little bit later on. Facebook and Instagram have launched new tools to help people manage their time online. To tell us more, we have Steve Hatch, Vice President of Facebook in Northern Europe. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me today. No, good to talk to you. So first of all, explain what this new part of the service is that you've launched, because it allows people to set a, a bit of a limit, reminding them they've probably spent too much time on your products. Uh, well, yeah, well, they're really excited about announcing three new introductions to, the, uh, uh, to both Facebook and to Instagram. And this comes to the context that uh, there's a, I think we're all acknowledging, I certainly see that in you know, my life with my friends and my family, that technology is playing a bigger and bigger role. And we want to make sure uh, at Facebook, because Facebook and Instagram are, are two things. So one, which is making sure that the time that people spend on the platforms is time that is well spent. And we introduced changes earlier in the year to make that the case. We also think we want to make sure that people are being really intentional about that time. And the three tools that we're introducing, uh, one is a activity dashboard. So you'll be able to see the time that you spend on Facebook and the time that you spend on Instagram. The second tool we're introducing is another, which is you can set for yourself the amount of time that you think is right for you. And then when you reach that time, you'll be alerted for that. And then the third thing is a, a, a mute notification. So being able to switch off uh, for a period of time of your choosing the notifications of announcements that you might get from Facebook and for Instagram. Now, the, this isn't the first focus that we've had in the area of well-being, and it certainly isn't going to be the last. But we think it's an important step forward that people are able to act with more knowledge and more control. And I, I certainly know from my experience, you know, the minute I was able to measure the amount of steps I was taking in an individual day, and I was able to make decisions about my own fitness based on that, and based on that information that I didn't have previously. And with these uh, additional tools, I mean, it might be interesting to see uh, sort of a parental guidance coming in at some point where the adults can set some of their kids' uh, access. I know there's an, an age limit. Is it still 14 on Facebook? But even so, you may want to limit what they're getting up to on there. And I personally would like the smug filter to take out all the annoying statuses from people who are showing off. Is any, No, that's not happening, is it, that one, unfortunately? Well, what I can tell you is, like, you just, like, all of the other people that use Facebook and Instagram are absolutely in control of their own experience. So if there are... Um, particular posts. Uh, I can't speak to the ones that you're referencing, but there are particular posts or people that, uh, that that you either don't want to follow at all. You can, of course, choose that. But also, we uh, going directly to that, actually, we also did introduce a snooze feature so that you're able to you know, maybe take a break from some of the posts and people and pages that you're saying, but just for a fixed period of time. Yeah. But your point around um, parents and the relationship between uh, younger people, technology and parents is a really great one. And it is one that we've been thinking hard about here as well. So how can we help uh, parents be more informed uh, for young, uh, for, and also for young people as well? We think these tools are part of that solution. Uh, and we hope that kind of with this and hopefully that will happen with your listeners as well. It might help spark a bit of a debate within the family table. As I kind of know, I, I'm a parent myself, so I know that debate happens quite <laughs> constantly. Uh, but we also... Um, in a, know that it's not just the things that happen on the online world that matter uh, in the uses of technology and the debate around social media, although we have a youth portal and a parent portal. It's also making sure that we're uh, addressing some of the issues in the offline world as well. And that's why that we've been partnering with some of the organizations that are dealing with actually some of the challenging things that young people face, whether that's um, um, cyberbullying, where we're partnering with the World Foundation, whether that's uh, body image, where we're partnering with the National Disorders Association, or even where it's just having a, a better informed sense. And we've made a commitment alongside two NGOs to put a digital ambassador 
into every single secondary school in the UK. And we started that this year. And I, I don't know what, what your listeners' experience is like, but I certainly know that you know, the, the most influential voices to young people is, is young people. So being able to create champions who are knowledgeable, able to address this issue, and also to help their peers have uh, the, the, uh, an, online, an online and an offline experience that's good for them, we think is really important. I think people are expecting us and, and looking at us to take leadership and responsibility. Yeah, because things have changed significantly. We go back 20, 30 years, maybe let's say 40 years, though. Uh, there would be youth groups that were leading people, and that would be where people socialised. They would phone each other on landlines. There wouldn't be text messages. There wasn't email. There wasn't, obviously, uh, the, the, the likes of WhatsApp as well, all floating around. And you didn't Instagram people and pictures of your dinner. But what you, you, we're now in a world where all of that has moved into the, uh, the online domain. So this switchover whereby... You are kind of, in some ways, it sounds like trying to take responsibility for for what's going on uh, around the uh, the social media platforms. Well, absolutely, we do, and um, I think you know we. You know, I think that's not just something that we want to do. I think it's an expectation that people have of us. Uh, uh, um, and I think you're, you, you know, the, the point you make is really clear. Like this has certainly changed over time about how we're connecting, how we make decisions, how we're coming together. And of course, we want to make sure that we're always minimizing the bad. That's why we're investing into 20,000 people to look and review kind of content integrity and security. But we also want to make sure that we're maximizing the good. And there are actually over a billion groups on Facebook of people that have come together around different levels of interest. And just two weeks ago, I met a, a young woman called Josie, just one of the most phenomenal people I've met in my life. And a few years ago, she, I mean, I remember seeing on the train actually in my feed, uh, the the image of uh, um, the boy who was washed up in uh, and children during the immigration crisis, mm-hmm. and she took that as a way to she wanted to take action. So she posted on Facebook to say, "I want to make some action here." She set up a an Amazon wish list and she rented a small place in the Big Yellow Storage Center. The next day, she got a call from Big Yellow Storage saying, "We got seven thousand orders coming. <laughs> what do you want to do?" And from that, you know, that one moment, that one person taking action. Three years on, that's now built out into helping over 750,000 refugees and raising 12 million pounds. And I, I see and I hear stories around young people making those kind of positive steps, coming together to help other people all of the time. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely changed, but I, I would suggest that you know, many of these changes are for the better. And we, yeah, with with the world we see these days, I mean, we hear a lot of negatives about social media. I know there's a big advertising campaign that Facebook in itself has been running, uh, just basically saying we want things to change. But I think what we forget is it, it all it does is reflect society. And so there is good and there is bad in society. And you guys are constantly trying to battle against the people who want to use a tool which you've put there for good for for bad. That is the case, and and I think there is a as a much um, wider sense of responsibility that people are looking to us for. We're working really hard every single day. You know, we are increasing in the areas of um, AI, for example, where uh, the team, some of which are based here in the UK, are helping to make sure that the wrong kind of content isn't shared. So, for example, 99% of uh, the terror content that's taken down on Facebook is removed automatically by us rather than reported. And that's huge advantage. The 20,000 people were putting it. Now, I think that those those are the expectations that uh, the people in this country have of us for an organisation of our size these days, as well as making uh, 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 as well as making sure that we're also a place where 
debate and conversation and contact with friends and family can, can happen. You know, sometimes that's about the big serious stuff and sometimes it's just about, and as I had this morning, seen a picture of my best mate who lives in Australia playing in the sea with his, with his son. And that individual connection, you know, those little things that can sometimes make your day. And all of this has grown out of something which Mark Zuckerberg and the rest of the team behind it could never possibly have imagined when all this started up. And it's it is obviously it's been a massive learning curve for everybody, including all the world of cybersecurity as well. So you know it, it's uh, it, you say there are people looking into this. You're working hard to ensure it's safe. I mean, what 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 can you give everyone as just that reassurance that it is all happening? Well, I can tell you, it's absolutely safety and integrity on our platforms is our number one focus as an organization. Um, you know, we know that we have a substantial community and a, a growing community all, all around the world. And I think people are looking to, uh, to live up to those responsibilities. And, you know, that means major amounts of, in, in, of investment uh, uh, um, in, our, in our safety and our integrity and our content reviews. And it also means, you know, making sure that you know, we're constantly looking to improve as well. In fact, you know, the announcements we're making today on the tools are actually just one part of um, our approach to being part of the debate around the area of well-being in a digital age. As, as I mentioned, you know, one of the biggest things that we changed this year was our news feed, so that rather than show the most relevant content, uh, that's now based on uh, making sure that we're, we're putting families and friends right to the heart of the experience. And particularly what we see is there's great academic research in terms of the long-term positive impact of family and friends and those connections, and, you know, particularly close friends. And actually, if it's just passively, passively, you know, it's, you know bubble gum scrolling through without paying, uh, without being properly engaged, actually, there's there's less research to support that as being a positive. And we want to make sure that we've got a safe, a secure, but also you know, an enjoyable place for people to be. Well, if people do want to find out about these new tools and make sure they're installed on their uh, versions of all the uh, Facebook and Instagram applications across all the platforms, what do they do? How do they go about it? Yeah, absolutely. So in both, it's slightly different because the platform, the uh, apps are designed slightly differently. But uh, uh, it, it's in both cases, it's within settings and uh, it's literally kind of a couple of clicks away. Uh, you'll see, obviously, uh, in there in terms of uh, the control features, and that's going to be rolling out globally. So you know. I don't know about anybody else, but I don't always press the update software on my computer when it asks me every day. So it can take a little bit of while to come out, but, you, but everybody around the world and all of you listeners should expect to see that on their phones over the coming weeks. So look out for it, check it out, and uh, do yeah, do get in touch through the uh, the help if there is anything on your screen which you don't want to see there. There is always a way of, of, of avoiding it happening again. Absolutely. And we, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we, we put it, it's the first time we've done this. We've worked really hard and we hope to get kind of feedback on how we're doing from, from your listeners and all the community around the world. So yeah, stick a friend request through to Mark Zuckerberg and see how that goes. <laughs> yes. He may accept. Uh, 5,000 friends may be actually over that limit by now anyway. Uh, Steve Hatch, Vice President of Facebook in Northern Europe, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Time for one final tune from the Jade Assembly. This is Got My Star. The clock fingers ticking by There must be more to life than this And then I started to cry It feels like a prison sentence For eight hours of the day And somebody please get me out of here Cause I'm beginning to feel the fear I'm losing my mind Trying to act my mind 
After that, I think we all want to be members of the Jade Army, the fan base for the Jade Assembly. Keep checking them out, thejadeassembly.co.uk. And don't forget, a little later on this month, we've got the release of that single, which we heard just after the interview. Nothing changes. That's a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining us back with episode 477 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. Goodbye from the mill bar. Goodbye from the mill bar. Goodbye from the milk bar, yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar, yeah.